0: Seattle Mariners, Felix Hernandez, the 2-2. He got it! 34 years! 119 games! It's
1: finally happened! A perfect game by a Seattle Mariners! It was done by the King! Foles running up and down the It's a direct snap, and it goes to Clement, who gets it off to Burton, the tight end, who then throws in the end zone, Touchdown!
0: For all the football, baseball, hockey, and soccer knowledge you could ever need, this is The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome into The Water Break, the best sports program this station has to offer. I'm McLean. I'm joined with Cy and with Will. Unfortunately, our fourth host, Creed, could not make it today as he's got to actually go and play a sport instead of just talking about them. But we're going to get things started with the people we do have uh, with our 4-in-4, four four, bringing you news from 4 Sports in 4 Minutes. Cy, can you get us started with some basketball news?
2: Yeah, for sure. So some of the important scores from yesterday, Utah Jazz beat the Philadelphia 76ers 118-96. to 96. Uh, The Memphis Grizzlies cruised past the Lakers 108-95. to 95, And the San Antonio Spurs kind of crushed Denver 123-111. to 111. And so in terms of regular news, uh, Stephen Curry is 10 three-pointers away from passing Ray Allen all-time. So that's definitely going to happen this season. The man's been on fire the past couple weeks. And um, LeBron has collected his 100th career triple-double even though the Lakers lost. So that was pretty interesting. And uh, Brooks of the Grizzlies was fined $25,000. And Kyle Kuzma of the Lakers was fined $15,000 for an obscene gesture in the game. Um, And also, the Raptors' Ujiri test positive for COVID-19. And that's kind of mainly the news. On to McLean for some baseball news.
0: Yeah, so Major League Baseball is still locked out. However, minor league operations can still happen in limited capacity. And one of those minor league operations was the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. For those who are unfamiliar, in baseball, the Rule 5 draft is a measure put in place to ensure that you couldn't hoard good players in your minor league systems forever the rule five essentially allows you to draft players that are on other teams minor league uh systems that have been there for a certain amount of time and that's uh four years if you were drafted when you were more than 19 and five years if you were drafted right out of high school uh the mariners pitching prospect nolan hoffman who's a fireballing right-handed pitcher was taken first overall in the draft they also lost a couple of players from Double A Arkansas, and uh, that's it. Kind of hurts the pitching depth, but seeing as how pitching depth is one of this organization's strengths, it shouldn't affect them too greatly in the short term. The Mariners also added Tanner Kerwer, a base stealing center fielder from Toronto, uh, and a couple of outfielders. In Joaquin Cabrera, who goes by Alex, is a Colorado Rocky, uh, not so much an outfielder, and we added a pitcher. In Tommy Wilson from the Mets, who, if he makes the final roster, will be the fourth former Met uh, to be a Seattle Mariner. Now over to Will for some hockey news.
1: Yeah, we got hockey and uh, not just normal hockey, too. It is actually WHL, which for those of you who don't know, that's the Western Hockey League, a semi-pro league in B.C., Alberta, and Washington State. Also in Oregon, there's the Portland Winterhawks. Um, But the U.S. entry draft, as well as the main draft, just happened for for the uh, WHL. The Seattle Thunderbirds, with the first overall pick in the U.S. entry draft, took a player named Max Celebrini from Shattuck St. Mary's Hockey Academy in Minnesota. He's an 06, uh, really talented player. It's unsure whether he's going to sign yet, but I think if we do get him to play, the Thunderbirds are going to be really good. They also added Tej Aginla, who is the son of Hall of Famer Jerome Aginla, in the eighth overall pick of the normal draft. Um, But there's something else I wanted to talk about, too, because two players uh, from Washington were actually selected in the U.S. priority draft. One of them, um, named Mikhail was grew, grew up here in Washington, moved to Delta in uh, Canada, played for Delta Hockey Academy, developed there, became a really good player and was picked 18th overall, as I said, and then a guy named Connor Ellington, grabbed in the second round, later in the second round, by the Tri-Cities Americans, actually plays in Washington for the Tri-City Junior Americans 16UAA u team, which is actually a team my brother plays against, I play against their 18U team, uh, but it's kind of cool to see a kid drafted and going on to continue his career in semi-professional hockey that I have like actually seen and uh, gotten the opportunity to go up against. So it kind of just shows anything's possible. Over in the professional leagues, of course, the Canucks, after firing Travis Green, had a really good start going 2-0. Uh, Bruce Boudreau could be the future for them. How long will the rain last? We're not really sure. It's only been a little bit, but so far things are looking a lot better. Uh, Jim Benning's also out of there too, but he's the GM, so he's not obviously making a lot of the coaching decisions. And then the Kraken, speaking of coaching jobs, a lot of people are questioning whether – Hackstall is safe over there uh, with some of the recent losses. They've not played well, and I I think he's fairly safe, to be honest. I think this was expected, too. I can't imagine people are going to really criticize him for a team of players that have never been together before and that really lack a lot of talent that a lot of the other teams in the league have. Anyways, more on that later, but we will go over to McLean for football.
0: Yeah, so a quick wrap-up of football this week. Yesterday, the Vikings and Steelers played... The Steelers uh, almost came back. The Vikings built a big lead and almost blew it. Chase Claypool uh, got benched. He celebrated his catch instead of you know getting the ball into the middle to spike it, and it probably cost the Steelers the game. uh kind of hurts because uh, for Seattle fans because they want Minnesota to lose, needing a wild card spot if anybody's you know still hoping for the playoffs. <laughs> um, but yeah. that's just what happened on the field off the field uh, there was a much bigger. Uh, story uh, with the passing of Demarius Thomas, a former wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, Super Bowl champion in 2015, and has ended a game in overtime faster than any other player in NFL history. This catch uh, is remembered by a lot of people as the peak of Tebow mania. Um, but in a game against the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Tim Tebow threw a quick slant to Demarius Thomas on the first play of an overtime playoff game in the AFC divisional playoffs. Uh, and Demarius didn't stop. He was not touched and took that ball 80 yards to the house in 10 seconds. It was the quickest score in the world. Uh, the quickest overtime finish in the history of both the playoffs and regular season. And it was the first uh, overtime playoff game played with the non-sudden-death rules. It was uh, a lot of milestones. Demarius Thomas also caught Peyton Manning's 400th touchdown pass, and he caught what was, at the time, uh, the record for the most passing scores in NFL history when he caught Manning's 509th touchdown pass a year later. Anyways that's it uh, on Demarius Thomas uh may he rest in peace uh keep the Thomas family uh in your prayers uh we're gonna take a quick break on the water break and get uh back to it with more sports content very soon stay tuned round round get around I get around yeah get around round, 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 I get around I get around. Welcome back into the Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McClain, joined with Will and Cy. And we're going to talk about something that I know is on the mind of pretty much every baseball fan. Come on, I know you guys weren't really thinking about the minor league rule five draft. (laughs) I mean, I I only remembered that it happened because a Mariners prospect got picked first overall. Uh, But anyways... The much bigger story in baseball this week has been the continued work stoppage lockout. Uh, this is the first extended stoppage since 1990. It's been a long time since, uh, you know, baseball has completely stopped. The last time there was even a threat of a strike was the shortened season in 1994. It's been a long time, and this is really unprecedented. So since I'm, like, a baseball historian, I and it's, like, my job to know this stuff, I figured uh, we could have this session be like a Q&A where you guys could ask your questions and we could also open up the phone lines uh, 206-275-9104 if you want to call us with relevant questions about the MLB player lockout. Uh, anything you want to know, I'll mm-hmm. have the answer for. Do you guys have any questions you'd like us to start with?
2: Okay, so I guess just general question for our audience members who do not know what this is. What exactly is the player lockout and why is it important?
0: Okay, so the term lockout, you're right, is a little antiquated. It used to come from when the facilities would physically be locked out, like with padlocks and chains and metal and stuff, as in you couldn't get in them. A lockout is just a fancy term for a work stoppage, which means that uh, the players will not be able to hold team practices, the GM and coaches and front office officials can't, like, meet, and do any work for their MLB teams, this also means that you can't trade or sign new players, modify your roster in any way if you're an MLB team. Uh, I hope that's helpful. It uh, Really, it just means uh, for the the only real consequence that it could have if the stoppage doesn't stop is that uh, players who changed teams this off season won't uh, get, uh, like, get... I'm looking for a word you won't here. get, like, acclimated to their Acclimated, the new team. thank yeah. you. Won't get acclimated to their new team, and they won't get to do any work with their new coaches. Uh, it also means that, like, young players, uh, players who still greatly benefit from, uh, like, getting face-to-face time with coaches won't get that. Uh, and it means that any player that a, uh organization wants to make a major change... Like think about uh, if you guys remember remember Dylan Moore uh when he came back uh this season, it was because in the off season the uh coaches had him do a lot of work and build up his power. It cost him a few points off his average, but he hit with power, he hit a lot of home runs uh it's adjustments like that won't happen this off season
1: mm-hmm. okay. interesting okay so so I have one, and I don't want to be too brash about this um but I kind of have to. If this, if this lockout is taking place in the offseason and assuming that's all it's going to be, why, why do people care so much about it? Like, What are the possible negative effects, aside from what you've stated already, of having a lockout in a time where no games are being played?
0: Yeah, well, uh, missing time spent with new coaches or even young players missing times with coaches is obviously a drawback. Uh, not being able to change your roster, make any trades, or sign any free agents. If anyone's a free agent right now, uh, this really... They probably want to get on a team before the season starts. So I don't imagine too many of them are lockout fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> but the other important thing about this is that uh, when players lock out, it also robs owners and league officials of the ability to use their faces and uh, likenesses, names, for promotions... So they are, in a way, uh, striking to take profit Mm -hmm. from the owner. Uh, Players are looking to get paid on veteran contracts. They're looking to get more players signed to better veteran contracts. Because we all know rookie contracts don't pay well. Mm -hmm. They're looking to uh, get a bigger piece of the pie that is baseball. And baseball is a great... Pie, you know, baseball is financially doing better than it has at any point during the last decade in these last few years. Uh, a lot of people watched, uh, if you guys remember the Field of Dreams promotional game, more people oh, watched yeah. that than any baseball game since like 2002. It was wow. ridiculous. Baseball is extremely successful, and the owners are just raking in profits.
1: I, I have another thing. So baseball players are already the highest paid out of any athlete group, maybe minus uh, boxers, just because it's such a small strata that gets paid a really high amount. Or I guess soccer players, too, but um, North American sports. And there's no salary cap. So how how could they possibly be getting paid more?
0: Well, it's the thing about hearing the phrase baseball players are paid more only refers to like a dozen baseball players who are getting those three hundred million dollar like. 12-year-plus contract. That refers to, like, the Mike Trouts and Wander Francos and Fernando Tatis Juniors of the world. It it doesn't do anything to protect uh, young players uh, who are still on minor league or rookie contracts. doesn't do anything to protect players who are on the roster bubble, uh, you know, making the league minimum. It doesn't do anything to protect even uh, even, like minor league officials like coaches and uh salaried employees like groundskeepers it, it hearing that baseball players are paid highly only refers to maybe a half dozen baseball players it's the same thing as as boxing really because these large market teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers New York Yankees can afford to shell out these bajillion dollar contracts for their for their franchise players but it it doesn't uh those players making hundreds of millions of dollars doesn't do anything to help minor league players or players who aren't paid as well. And that's what this strike has really been about.
2: Okay. So the strike has been about, wait, the rich players or the, the, the not, poor players. The poor players. No. Yeah. I was like, what? It's, it's not like, the... <laughs> why would they strike? Yeah. No, no, no. I imagine,
0: okay. I imagine Mookie Betts and Mike Trout are very happy with, with all the money they're making. I yeah, imagine for sure. anyone who's making like a 10 figure contract I'd imagine all of those players are extremely happy. At the for Braves.
2: sure, yeah. It's, okay. it's,
0: it's, the, it's the little guys that the players union is looking out for. The guys on okay. minor league rosters. Uh, and the other thing is because of the way that baseball rosters are structured, you can uh, go a long time without hitting free agency. Josh Donaldson, who was a very good player, didn't hit free agency until he was 37 because he got traded three times and uh, re-entered the beginning of salary arbitration every time he got traded. Yeah. So he especially uh, spent nine years playing on a contract that was assigned to him based purely on stats, how salary arbitration works. He got paid, but other players who get traded a bunch, like players who aren't quite as good as Josh Donaldson, won't get to sign veteran contracts based on what, the value they can negotiate for themselves is and uh for minor league players they can get left down in the minors and continue making a minor league salary uh which is by the way not very much uh until they get called up to the big leagues and uh big league clubs can even use uh service time manipulation to like quote quote steal a season from a minor league player do you guys know the name uh jp crawford he's the starting shortstop for the seattle mariners
1: I've heard the name I've a couple times, name. yeah.
0: Yeah, J.P. Crawford was left in his rookie season, his first Mariners season, which was 2019. He played a little bit as a Philly before being traded to Seattle. He got left in the minors in AAA Tacoma for uh, for the first like, two like and a half months of the season so that he wouldn't acquire enough service time to get paid for a whole season as a major league player. Wow. Yeah, it was it's kind of scummy. It was less obvious and I'd say that the Mariners are less um less at fault for that because the guy that he was replacing didn't really start slumping. The guy who was replacing him, Tim Beckham, uh had randomly like one of the best months of any Mariners infielder in recent memory. The guy hit like 300 and hit like 12 home runs in the month of April. So I can understand them keeping Crawford down uh so as not to steal playing time from Tim Beckham, but uh, you know, leaving like like leaving uh, Jared Kelnick down uh, this season, this past season, a lot of people called that service time manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way like Jared Kelnick this season because he spent so long in the minors, even though he played almost a hundred games as a, as a major leaguer, got paid as a minor leaguer, yeah. and this can really hurt players on the lower end of the minor league pay scale. Uh, most minor league pe- players only make like eight to fourteen thousand dollars a year. It's not much.
1: Interesting. So, so uh, for oh.
0: here, for reference, by the way, the federal poverty line is fifteen and a half thousand dollars, give or take.
2: Oh yeah, wow. and then it changes based on like what part of the country. You're in. It changes like, here, based on part of the country. In Seattle, I think it's like it might be thirty
1: k.
0: It's oh yeah, it's crazy yeah. high in Seattle because it's crazy expensive to live here. Okay. Um, yeah. and,
1: and to end it off real quick, what do you think is the, the quickest, the easiest solution uh, for the, the GMs of these teams, the owners of the league, to do to end this lockout as soon as possible?
0: If the owners wanted to uh, end this strike as quickly as possible, quite simply show the players the money. Um, offer uh, not only money, but also rule changes that might protect player health. That's the other thing. Player health injuries it's not so much an issue in baseball, but you see, uh, like football NFL players strike a lot because of injuries Mm -hmm. in baseball. It is notoriously tough, uh, to come back from an injury and with how long salary arbitration and rookie contracts last for most of the time, a player, like some pitchers will get a season ending injury before they even finish out their rookie contract and they won't get, uh, a veteran contract. Uh, Instituting something like a bigger roster size or, uh, you know, more flexibility with the 60-day injury list. Something like that might help players have to play through injuries less and uh, decrease their workloads. Maybe a shortened season or a universal DH is the other one that gets thrown around a lot. National League pitchers will get hurt trying to swing the bat a lot. Because they're expected to fail and then they fail, self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. So uh, even even the best of National League pitchers only hit like like two oh one, and a lot of guys get hurt doing it. So you get hurt trying to swing a bat. It's it'll uh, take away your ability to pitch, which is how as a National League pitcher you make money. So that's how that's how I think the lockout can end quickly. Ownership just needs to accept that they're trying to own a pie that was baked by the players and not even cut them a slice. Anyways, uh, it's it's clear where I stand on this. If you've got another idea on how MLB can end the lockout, I'd love to hear it. Uh, text into the station. 206-275-9104 is our number. That's 206-275-9104. We're going to go to another quick break on the bridge. The water break will return shortly with more sports content for you. Well, thank you, Bob Rivers, for that lovely little number about parking spaces. Uh, All of Bob Rivers' parodies. Bob Rivers was, uh, for those who don't know, a, a Drive Time talk show host here in Seattle for a long time. Uh, one of the guys who uh, his his colleague Joe Bryant teaches this program here at the high school. Somebody very influential for uh, this radio program. Somebody I'm I'm thankful he was such a great host this holiday season. Anyways, we are back on the water break with Sai. Uh, had to leave. He had some prior commitments. It's a uh, athletics season. Sai's playing some sports. it's pretty ridiculous. But we're here with Will. I'm here with Will. I'm McLean doing another Q and a for you about minor league hockey. And let me tell you minor league hockey is something that I like a lot of Seattle players don't know too much about. And I'm really glad I've got Will here to help me out with some stuff. So Will, how does the hockey minor league system work? What's one, I know there's a lot of facets to it, but what's one common way that young NHL, uh, aspiring players can make it to the big leagues.
1: Okay, so uh, in my mind, you kind of got your three main paths to the NHL, your three main roads, uh, and I'm going to rank them. I'll start with number one, which I think is unanimously unanimously considered the best one, uh, is the CHL, which is the combination of the Western Hockey League, WHL, Ontario Hockey League, OHL, or the Quebec Major Junior League, and all three of those leagues play at the same level. Uh, it is semi-professional hockey. They play, obviously, the Western League plays West Coast in Canada and also in the U.S., and the Ontario and Quebec play in their respective provinces with a couple teams in the States, but not really. Uh, those ones are mostly centered in Canada. And basically, these leagues, you come out of juniors like BCJ, AJ, uh, Quebec Major, or just Quebec Junior Leagues, and you, you join these leagues, and basically what happens is you're in... Probably the biggest prospect pool in the in the whole uh, just in country, and this is this is more of a Canadian thing, but these leagues. You get, you get like the best players pretty much coming out of here. You get Connor Bedard, uh, the 2023 first overall draft prospect uh, out of the dub. You also had guys like Matt Barzal, Ray Ferreiro, uh just to name a couple. And coming out of the OHL, you've had guys like Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky. I'm sure those are names a couple of people recognize. Oh, yeah. And then the major juniors, very similar. You got Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon are probably two of the more notable players that have came out of there. And basically these teams are like... Where the majority of your draft picks are coming second place um, in the, in the path to the NHL, I would have to give to, I'm just going to give this to a broad array of Russian, Swedish, um, Finnish, just European leagues in general. A lot of players come out of here, notably coming up in the draft, Matvei Michkov is supposed to be number one behind Bedard, coming out of a Russian league, I believe. And this is where a lot of players go to play that are not in the States or in Canada. So this is going to be all your good Swedish players, all your good Russian players, all your good Czech players. And it accounts for a lot. Uh, Unfortunately, I do live in the U.S. I don't know a whole lot about these leagues, but I know that most of them work in like a similar fashion where they'll have U-20 leagues. There's a whole pro system over there, um, but it's mostly the junior leagues that feed into ours over here uh, where they are eventually drafted out of. And those players can really vary in skill because sometimes the scouting reports aren't quite as good as they have on a guy that's been living in North America for his whole life. They've seen him grown up. They've seen him play in uh, really reputable leagues like the O or the Dub, and they can kind of tell what the guy's made of versus... In these European leagues, sometimes it can be a little bit cloudier, but most of the top prospects, everyone knows who they are. And then third place, which has not really been third place in the last year's draft, it was actually featuring four out of the top five picks, all came from University of Michigan. Uh, You guessed it, it is the NCAA and the NCAA produces a ton of players. This is m- most of where the U.S. players end up going. If you go play NOL or USHL, you're likely to get a college scholarship offer to play D1 NCAA hockey or possibly D3 NCAA hockey. Um, and, and then a lot of these players in the upper spectrum, like University of Michigan, uh, Minnesota, St. Cloud State, these guys are going to be drafted uh, pretty high. And we saw Kent Johnson, Maddie Beneers, Owen Power, uh, just coming out of Michigan recently, and there, I think all of them are going to develop into really good players. But the, the college system has certainly had some notable names, and I think this is out of all of them probably the one that's most on the rise now, as it pretty much consumes all all uh, American top prospects. So if that if that clued you in on anything, there's also layers under that as well as like a whole minor system to the NHL where you go once you get drafted, but you're not good enough. To make the NHL, that's where you have the AHL and the ECHL. So those leagues don't recruit individually. They kind of just take guys that get cut from NHL teams, fill out those spots, and they actually can be quite popular in some places.
0: So, So talk to me more about those minor leagues. Is it the case that once you're drafted, You get to play uh, on your team. It can have a bunch of players that weren't drafted by the same club as you, and you still got to play with them?
1: Yeah, actually, we just saw this in Carolina with the Kraken. Before the Kraken were given the Coachella Valley Firebirds, which don't even get me started on that name, uh, they they shared the Charlotte Checkers with three other teams, the Florida Panthers, the Carolina Hurricanes, which makes sense because, you know, they're in Carolina, uh, and then the Seattle Kraken because they were the new expansion team. So there was actually pools of prospects from three different places. Well, two at the time because Kraken didn't really have any prospects, Uh, but three different places that are coming and it's it's certainly weird because all of those guys can get pulled into one a different place at any time. And I'm, I believe they could actually pull any player from that team if they want to. Obviously, the arrangements have changed. Now Kraken have their own uh, AHL team. But basically, AHL functions very similar to the ECHL. They have an NHL affiliate. They have an ECHL affiliate versus where ECHL teams have an AHL affiliate. And I believe there is the SPHL below that or SHL Um, but those as you get farther and farther down obviously there are ladders for all sorts of different players but usually when players retire from the NHL or get cut and they drop below a level like the AHL or the ECHL they're going to go play in Europe in like a tier 1 or tier 2 league over there but But as far as that goes, I think the AHL does have a lot of good players. And those guys are consistently called up, especially if they're younger. If there are any rookies struggling, they're probably going to get sent down to the AHL for a little bit of a season just to kind of regain. It's a lot less uh, wear and tear than the NHL is. Um, And yeah, it's pretty similar. That's probably the only thing I I would say it has in common with baseball is the uh, minor system.
0: Yeah, the minor system. And again, talk to me about draft process in baseball. It is very very rare for a player to get drafted and open with the big league club. Does it happen often in hockey?
1: Uh it it kind of does. So what what happens is you basically you play your uh youth hockey, then you go juniors and then you go into one of the three options I listed earlier. And from those is pretty much I think out of those three, which is college, European leagues and uh the OH or the CHL, I would say probably like ninety nine percent of prospects come out of there. There's not really like a drafting out of high school aspect as there is in. Um, in baseball. Baseball, no. You usually people that have played college have at least one year of college NCAA play under their belt before they're even going into the draft. You have got to be eighteen uh, to declare, and I don't think exceptional status has ever been given for the NHL draft. I know it has for CHL drafts in the past, like Connor Bedard. Um, but NHL stays pretty firm with their uh, requirements. And I think that's a good thing because it's the biggest jump in uh, professional hockey or just any sort of hockey. So it really does. It's just another level. And I think letting these good players develop another year instead of being thrown into that is a much better solution than having them come in early.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I'll say this hockey's minor league system makes sense. That's, a smart way to organize a sport. I think if the MLB does tear it down and rebuild the whole minor league system as a result of the lockout, I, I'd want it to look something like hockey.
1: It does. The one thing I do like about the MLB system is the, uh, the AAA, AA, single A system is very organized where you have all the teams in the same city.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, in, in hockey. That's certainly not the case. Uh, with the, I mean, one, the Charlotte thing. But a lot of minor league teams, I know the uh, Vancouver Canucks just recently re- re- relocated their minor league team to Abbotsford, which is quite close to Vancouver. Uh, but it used to be in Utica, or Utica, I'm not sure how you say that. Utica. Utica, uh, which is a decent bit farther. So these teams... When you're calling players from them on short notice, it can be uh, quite nice to have the players close to you because I know in the past Canucks have actually had to call up UBC goaltenders uh, to, to sit on their bench and actually play in some of their games, but... It would be certainly nice to have your AHL guy on call, ready to go. That's
0: true. I'll say this: you're giving baseball a lot of credit. I'm not sure any of that credit is deserved. You know where the Mariners' uh, double A team is? No, where? It's are they? in Arkansas.
1: Oh, I didn't know. I well, I know they have the Rainiers Arkansas and the Aquasocks. Travelers, because I've the, seen the games Aqua from them. The Sox
0: are a single A team. They're in Everett. Yeah. Uh, and the Rainiers are in Tacoma, which, so with how traffic, is it's which, in
1: the gr- it's in the greater area. You can in, be yeah. in a game. You can be to a game at the same day you get called up. True. If in your, Arkansas, if home. maybe that's not but a problem. But in Arkansas, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, yeah. It's, well, some teams, the uh, AAA team is even pretty far away. The Los Angeles Angels AAA team is the Salt Lake City Bees, who are oh, in, wow. Salt in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake
1: City, yeah, that is. <laughs>
0: it's quite a trek. Wow. The Bees draw. I'll say this the Bees draw. The, the Angels and the Bees both make a lot of money. So it's not like you're uh, siphoning fans away from Los Angeles games to go watch the Bees. But, uh, you know, to get from Anaheim to Salt Lake, that's...